When you're ready to buy a vehicle, the actual process is pretty simple. You decide on make and model you like and search the dealerships near you to see where it's available. But for decades, this wasn't the case for commercial vehicles. If a plumber, for example, needed a truck, there was no obvious way to find out where to purchase that vehicle with the appropriate upfitting for the job. The same was true for dump trucks, catering vans, and rescue organizations in need of vehicles, like ambulances. There was no data on these vehicles. That's when Work Truck Solutions stepped in to revolutionize the software to enable commercial vehicles to be listed and advertised in a seamless and accessible way. I'm Michelle Pierog, Chief Strategy Officer of Park My Fleet and today's host of the Driving Mobility Podcast. Joining me today is Catherine Schifferly, Founder and Chief Vision Officer of Work Truck Solutions and someone I've admired for a long time. Welcome, Catherine. We're so excited to have you with us today. Well, thanks, Michelle. Good to be with you. Where are you Zooming from? I'm in Northern California, a town called Chico. Can you tell us a little bit about your early years? Where did you go to school? What did you study? We moved a lot when I was growing up, which I think was good for me. And then we ended up in Northern California, and uh, then we ended up on a farm for a while. I ended up going to Chico State, but I will tell every young person out there that is going to college to be gentle with yourself. It took me seven years to graduate from college because I I found it difficult to pick one thing. I ended up doing a, a special major that let me kind of graze and, and, and take a lot of different classes. I worked to go to school, so I was dealing poker at night and going to school during the day, and it just took me a long time to get through school. I love the advice that you gave, be gentle with yourself. You said it took seven years for you to get through college. I didn't start college until I was in my 30s, so I definitely yep. agree with that. Sometimes yep. it takes a little time for you to realize what it is you want to do. What was your next step? I uh, found out that really what my career was, was being a serial entrepreneur. Serial entrepreneurism is almost a disease, but it's really about believing in something and wanting to, to solve a problem or to help people, or you've got a good idea that you really think will turn into something. I spent a period of my career doing different types of companies, and most of them had something to do with technology. What inspired you to establish Work Truck Solutions? It wasn't until... About 2009, a friend of mine came to me and said, I have somebody who's really, really, really nice, and he needs some help with a, an association that he's starting. I think you're the one that needs to help him. You're not really doing that much. <laughs> I said, mm. he said, we'll talk to him. He's really nice. And I did. Honestly, uh, Joe Hughes is a very, very nice man. He was selling commercial vehicles from a dealership in Washington state. And he decided early on that the internet was an opportunity for people like him and had very little camaraderie and support within the dealership could actually connect with each other. And at the time there were truck clubs where in a certain market, they would get together every month or every other month and you know have a meal and talk but that was not good for everybody some of them had to drive hours and hours right and so his idea was to use this new kind of thing called the internet to create a national ford 
Trek Club. Here's the magical part. I started talking to people in this industry and I fell in love with the industry. You know, I spent a lot of time in the cable television industry. And, and when I left that industry, I realized how important culture is. You know, the culture in that industry by the time I left was very toxic. It was very much around for a nickel, I'll stab you in the back, honestly. But when I started talking to people in the commercial vehicle industry, I realized they were hardworking, salt of the earth, backbone of the U.S. economy, and they would tell you anything. Most people uh, recognize that every vehicle that's produced has what is called a VIN. That's a vehicle identification number, and that, that's required. And it's, it's put on the vehicle when the OEM, which is like Ford or GM or whatever, produces that vehicle. Well, at that point in time, in the commercial space, the vehicle isn't completed. It's not been finished to be what the, what the business needs to use it for. That upfit is what is added to that vehicle. It's something like a dump body that goes onto the truck that turns it into a, a dump truck. Or it's an ambulance, or it's a van that's got shelves in it, or it's a, you know, a refrigerated vehicle. All these things are done afterwards. So it's customized yeah. for the specific job that it that is getting ready to perform. So nobody keeps track of that data, right? And that and that's what I discovered. And I didn't discover it until Joe came to me and said, you know, if a plumber comes to my dealership, I'm not going to have a plumber's truck. And I said, well, Joe, how come? And he goes, well, you know, the economy's been bad and my dealer owner isn't going to want to spend the money on a plumber's truck because we don't know when the next plumber's coming. And I said, wow, I'm teaching marketing and you're supposed to know everything about your customers. Nobody, nobody keeps track of this stuff. And that's when I realized that that whole industry of of these hardworking people couldn't even go online and find things. And Work Truck Solutions is a technology platform built to solve huge problems in a wonderful industry called the commercial vehicle industry. That's what I started the company for, was to start gathering this data to help the whole industry. But the place where that data existed most of the time, just before the vehicle was sold, and that was the only place, was at the dealership. So we built a plug-in to the dealer's website that showed customers what the vehicle became searchable by that kind of vehicle. So dump truck or flatbed or whatever. And so we took information from the actual invoice of that upfitting and we converted it into data, and this was all manual, right? And we started, and we built this information into that site so that, you know, those kinds of customers could come and find them. So today, is your platform available to the consumer or just the dealer? It started all from the beginning as available to the consumer. It was part of showing them what the dealer had and helping them find specifically what they were looking for. Back then, it was really, the dealers actually already had some of these vehicles that were on their lot, but nobody even knew they existed. To the dealer site, you would be, 
wouldn't even know if they had any or if they were selling commercial vehicles. You'd have to go over to their, you know, search vehicles and try and look at pictures to find them. You really created a target marketing platform so that dealers could find customers and customers could find the dealers that had the trucks that they needed. Exactly. Can you tell me how long you have been in existence? This is a perfect time to be talking because this month, in about two weeks, we're going to have our 10-year anniversary. Wow. And that's 10-year anniversary of our first dealership installation. We serve well over 2,000 companies through the value that we deliver on the upfit and commercial vehicle side. And then on Convoy, we serve hundreds of thousands of vocational buyers who need a resource. What are you doing differently now that you weren't doing 10 years ago? The upfitters, oh, it's so crazy, Michelle, for them to know what was still on a dealer's lot after they sold them, you know, three Uh, five service bodies and two dump trucks. They would have to get in a car and drive to that dealer's lot with a clipboard to check them off. So we started telling them nightly when things would move off of that dealer's lot. We also aggregated all of the inventory that was their brand onto a site and put it on their corporate site. We call those locators so that if somebody was brand loyal to say, for instance, Naphide, which is one of the larger upfitters, when they go to the Naphide corporate site, they can actually search for upfitted vehicles that have the Naphide product on it and find what they're looking for on a dealer's lot. So that was a big change for us. We started helping someone other than dealers. We started helping upfitters. And then because that went so well, GM reached out to us and said, could you do that for our tier one sites? So we power Chevrolet.com, GMC.com, and GMFleet.com. We power the commercial searching on the site. If you look for inventory, we show all the inventory that's on those brands, uh, dealers' websites. And that's continued to expand. Then three years ago, we launched Comvoy, C-O-M-V-O-Y, which is the first national true marketplace. And my definition of a marketplace is a site that's designed with the customer in mind to get them to what they're looking for as quickly and as frictionlessly as possible. The fact that we have digitized All of this unique configuration data means that customers can actually search for things like the length of the box truck, the type of material, all sorts of things that are really, really important to them, but you can't find that ability anywhere else. How does remarketing play a role in your company structure? Funny that you would mention remarketing. Because in 2020, I looked and said, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to be in trouble next year because of not having enough inventory. So in March, we launched what we call VAST, Vehicle Acquisition Search Tool. We already had a a back-end tool for dealers to, to do dealer trade and to look at each other's inventory. But what we did is we kind of redid it and added the ability to bring in remarketed 
vehicles from any source and be able to, like you said, we process them, we make sure they're searchable by what they became, and we make them available so that dealers can find them for their customers because we knew customers were going to have trouble getting vehicles. First started, it was very, you know, modest. It was a couple of rental companies and then, um, and not very many vehicles, but over time we were very dedicated to it and we kept adding more. We added some auctions. So by, by the end of the year, we were at about 50,000 vehicles. My whole reason around this, of course, was to help the, the, the dealers and their customers. But by the way, remarketers are losing a big chunk of money because they don't have the ability to tell the the buyer or the or the or the dealer the value of that vehicle. It's huge. It's a huge missing place. I agree. They really don't understand the value of the upfitted part and right. having that information will just make such a difference in helping them target market who they're trying to sell to and understanding the valuation. Middle year we launched what we call easy order. And that was a response to this concept that, well, we, we, A, we need to teach the customers that they can't just walk onto a dealer's lot and find what they're looking for. There's a lot of the smaller fleets that are these, you know, uh, plumbers and contractors and caterers, all these companies that are a little smaller. They, they hadn't typically thought ahead about what if my vehicle's getting at the end of the road, right? They would just go buy one when it died. And, and if it was hard to find it, that was on them. But now we needed to make sure that they knew and the dealers needed to tell them that, that they have to think ahead. They have to be ordering. The 1st of September, I'm really excited. We launched CV Showroom, which is a smart digital catalog for commercial vehicles so that a customer can go to the dealer's website. And even if the dealer doesn't have it, they can look they can pick by the body type and they can look at the different brands of upfits. They can read about it. They can see pictures. They can watch videos. They can look at configurations and then that'll help them with what they want to order. And I'm very proud. I'm very excited about that. It sounds like you built a lot of depth into your platform. Do you have competitors? But there's no company that's really focused on these tools, right, that that are a true platform for the dealers or for the upfitters or for the OEMs. Wow, you sound like you have an insatiable curiosity. I truly appreciate that. So it seems like every time you think of something that you don't currently offer, you build it. So talk about a serial entrepreneur. It seems like within your own business, you're creating business after business after business. So Kudos to you for that. It's the first time in my life where I feel like the things that I'm doing are really valuable and, and helpful and meaningful to other people's lives. Well, you can't ask for more than that. Can you tell me if your business has changed at all in the last couple of years to meet uh, fleet's sustainability requirements? The year before last, we launched electric vehicles on Convoy. It's not just listings. It's a whole dedication to education. In 23, we plan on building out a whole alternative fuel segment. What's the work life look like? Can you give me a little overview about working at Work Truck Solutions? When I was thinking about starting another company, which by the way, I'd not planned to do, right? I was teaching. 
I said, well, I must have learned at least a couple things in all my past mistakes. What are three of them? <laughs> the first one I will use an euphemism, no jerks. Okay. Cause I don't want to publish what I actually said, right? No jerks. The second one was more about be, me being able to find really smart people and delegate. The third one was culture of the company. I wanted to from scratch, build a company that was transparent, collaborative, appreciative, and that really was a place where people could come and work and be happy. And I'm really proud to say we have about 80 people right now. And I think that's probably our DNA now, besides all this really positiveness of culture, is that every morning we're all willing to get up and look at things and say, well, what could we do different to be better? Back in March of 2020, when we all had to go home and we let them take, if they wanted an extra monitor or if they wanted a stand-up desk or whatever they wanted, they had. And we've been remote since then. And we plan to continue to be remote because we've found how to really pull the best out of being remote for all of our our family, I guess I would call it, because we really feel like family now, for their, their lifestyle, the balance of their lifestyle, and still be able to create connectivity. We have weekly meetings. Uh, we have a, an all-team meeting every Monday. We do some fun things. Our HR guy is kind of a, a goofy guy, and he does certain kinds of remote parties and different things and some games and stuff like that. And uh, we've really done, I think, a great job with that. Wow, I love that. It's so important to have a great culture. Um, for me, uh, it just adds to your quality of life. And really, when people talk about work-life balance, it's really just quality of life from beginning to end, work, home, personal life. It doesn't matter. I also work from home, and I love it mostly, but I do feel like I have an advantage because I worked in the office when I was younger. And so I got to have the experience of working with people that were senior to me, hearing how they spoke on the phone, yep. how they spoke to each other. And I do worry a little bit right now about uh, the younger generation not having that advantage. Mentoring is really important. And so I suggest if anybody who's over 35, 40, right, that they consider being a mentor in some way in their industry, because that's really important. But I don't know that that needs to be face-to-face. -face. I'm mentoring a couple people right now just online. And, you know, we did actually, uh, at Fleet Forward, I did get to meet one of my mentees. Uh, and it was fun to meet her face-to-face. -face. But we've gotten a lot done, you know, because we cared about doing it. I looked on your website and you have a lot of partnerships. How do you decide specifically who you will partner with and who you will not? Well, Michelle, you know my rule number one. Yes. <laughs> I like I that rule. Well, and I figure, honestly, that if I'm going to spend and my company and my wonderful team is going to spend time with people, they have to be people that are nice people and that are good to work with. They, they have that same level of commitment that we do, right? Agreed. Couldn't agree more. Sounds like you are thinking all the time. So what do you do to disconnect and relax? Wow, that is a really good question. You're right. It is a challenge for me, but reading for fun helps me disconnect. I used to fence. I didn't start fencing until I was almost 50, and I fell in love with it. It was the best break in my from for my brain 
because you have to be totally engaged when somebody's running at you with a sword. You know, fencing is one of those sports where um, you can keep doing it your entire life. And then I have four beautiful granddaughters. And that, of course, is my uh, favorite time, not thinking about anything but them. That's awesome. I have one granddaughter, so I can only imagine that times four. How amazing. And I would like to go see one of your fencing matches. Do you have any advice for budding entrepreneurs? My advice really for an entrepreneur today would be to to think about your dream and then go and work for someone for a few years. Try to pick, you know, the industry that you want to be in or try and pick the kind of company that you're interested in starting, like software or whatever, or or pick a company that you trust and that you like, but take a role that is something that you really like and and learn on somebody else's money. I love that advice. Do you have any advice for women in particular in the mobility industry, which tends to be male-dominated industry? Every industry that I've been in has been male-dominated industry, period. And I'm not sure that they aren't. I mean, they all are still, right? What it's really about is being true to yourself and not getting all caught up in that. I, I think being supportive of other women is really important, but not allowing the label to color you. You know, I will tell you a joke if you would like. Sure. It's still today, a woman must deliver three times the value as a man to get the same kind of notice. Good thing it's so easy. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today for the Driving Mobility Podcast.